Welcome to In The Office Cast with John Kent and Adam Scorey, a podcast about business culture, technology and solving the challenges and misconceptions surrounding hybrid and remote working. Hi, welcome to another um, a vlog from uh, John and I um, from In The Office. So today's an interesting one. So it's a bit of a challenge for me, this. So John, the office yeah. as a productivity tool. What yeah. the heck do you mean? <laughs> well, I my my background being in product management is I see things very much, you know, individual products and users. And that's sort of how I how I quantify things. And with everything that happened after the pandemic and you know the way that the world was moving, um I felt like people are that there's this the way that people are trying to promote the office as if it's you know they're putting it up on a pedestal as if that's something that needs to be protected as that's the thing that creates a culture within a company you know that's the place where work gets done and um i feel like that puts people down the wrong routes when they're trying to work out how they're going to you know, implement a hybrid working policy or how they, what they need, the decisions they need to make about the future of the office is if you're, if you've got a skewed view of it as if that's the thing that does stuff, then you're not going to make the right decision. So um, something that I bang on about a lot is that the office isn't something that creates culture. It doesn't do anything. You know, it requires its users in order to be valuable. Um, yeah. So, you know, an office block that's just sat there doesn't do anything. It's just it's it. just a cost center, isn't it? It's just yeah. cr um, creating a drain on the company's resources. It requires its users, its people, to actually use it in order to be valuable. So if you start to think of it as it's a productivity tool, mm. that I found that very useful to then go, well, actually, what do you need from a productivity tool? Um, and actually, I don't think this is just limited to offices. It's really your workspace. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's in the office, whether it's at home, whether it's at a coffee shop, doesn't really matter. It's is your workspace um, the right tool for you to be using for that job? And it's interesting, actually, because I mean, we work started in something like what was it, 1995? Yeah, I think that was the research that. that I did. And, and obviously, from that point of view, they were well ahead of the pandemic, well ahead of this thinking now that as a productivity tool, because I've, you know, we we work from a WeWork office, don't we? It's an office, mm. but um, when, when we're together, and they're split into zones of activity or zones of productivity, and perhaps the way that you're thinking about it, and they are set for a purpose. Now, what mm. intrigues me about this is is that's fine when you've got you know five thousand people in a twenty-five story office block or something, but but what's your thinking then for say? Uh, you know, there's 10 people in a company and they've got one small office space. How is this about mindset rather than is about desks and computers? Um, I think it's a, it's sort of a mixture. And actually what you, you reminded me of something they're talking about that we work and when they started. And this was something that was quite big before the pandemic um, where um, facilities managers and, and leaders were trying to work out agile workspaces. Mm. So um, they've, 
sort of looked at the way that software is being developed. So, I mean, quite a lot of these things do go back to software methodologies. So mm. it used to be that you build stuff in a waterfall way where you basically, you get all of the requirements that you need to build right up front. You then go away for a year, you build the thing. And then at the end of the year, as you go off the waterfall, you deliver it. And usually what would happen is you turn out that you got some requirements wrong at the start. So what is then what you get in the end is rubbish. Um, so they then tried to shorten that down and do more um, agile um, workflows where you do shorter stints of, or they're called sprints, of working. And you, it's really oversimplifying it, but it's basically you do the things that you need to in order to get the thing out. So it's, yeah. you know, you build quickly, you release it so people can check it, you then get feedback and then you, you rebuild it. And that moved into the workspace area. So it was how do you create an agile workspace where people can go and work in the right place for the mood that they were in or for the work they were doing. Um, and that's sort of where I think a lot of WeWork, WeWork's ideas came from. Um, I do remember someone saying that they had a meeting room in a room full of swings, which was just, um, no one had a good comment to say about that. Um, slide never used. Yeah, 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 Thank exactly. You. But um, yeah, you know, so you'd shuffle in and then sit on the swing, and then I can't imagine, you know, the I don't know if the swings moved. I imagine they did, but uh, anyway, you know, you can obviously go too far with these things. Um, but um, yeah, that that's that's sort of where that idea came from, mm. and it's companies started to well, some companies were starting to implement it before the pandemic. Um, now we're back and, you know, there is that, is it a mindset shift? It's, I guess it's just trying to go, what actually do you need? And it, it's not just, I think about what one person needs. So for me, the, there are three key elements to what makes up the best place for someone to work. And that's the task that they're doing. So the job that they're actually doing, yep. um, the requirements of their team. Um, you know, and that's not just their immediate team, it could be the wider team, the wider company, yeah. um, and also their personal circumstances. Yeah. And I sort of see it as a Venn diagram where there's this really nice little um, intersection between those three things, which dictates where the best place for that person to work each day is. Um, and so, you know, what tool is the best tool for them to use in order to be productive? So it might be that it's the office, it might be that actually the team requires everyone to be together, or it might be that actually, if you're doing software, for example, and you've had some planning sessions, you could then go away for two weeks and work somewhere else, completely away, siloed away, you know, some Slack communication is all you need. And that actually works really well for you because you can get into it. Or similarly, if your personal circumstances are that, you know, you're, you, you only live in a studio apartment and you've got a dog and you know or, or a young child or something like that then you can't work from home so you need to be in the office so it's it's trying to make sure that everyone gets what they need yeah. um and everyone has the right the right tool to do their job so do you think the the time of having a desk if you like you know people say that's my desk you know and put all my personal things on it and all my filing and all this kind of stuff do you think the time for that has gone um, I'm, I'm going to be the uh, the typical sort of uh, non-answer. It depends. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, it completely depends on 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 the company and the person. Yeah. So, you know, if that's something that the company can afford, if they can afford for everyone to have their own desk, brilliant. 
let's you know and people use it that's great you know there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with that mm. but similarly if you're someone that actually you know you're very happy working from home you, you might have those things at your home desk but then you go into the office just to make sure that you sit for the day next to some people or, or sit away from people if you want to yeah. um you know it's really it's it's not a one size fits all it's a you know as i said depending on the task that you're doing you want to have the right the right tool for the job you wouldn't um and i've mentioned this to you before but you wouldn't dig a hole with a hammer you know you <laughs> want to get a spade you want <laughs> you want to have the right tool for the job that you're doing yeah. um and actually i think that's that is one of the things which everything that you see on linkedin goes against that everyone's still talking about return to work mandates you know the the big big companies are still saying you've got to come back people are even throwing in you know it's unfair for people for others if some section of their workforce can work from home and others can work for something else and we even were talking that, about go, that last night weren't we with the l'oreal chapter yeah. it's unfair to blue collar workers i believe you know this yeah he's paid what is it ten and a half million euros a year or something yeah so the l'oreal yeah yeah. How does he know? Well, exactly, and it's but it's also like the fairness doesn't come into it. It's is that yeah. the right tool? So you know, if you if you hire a bus driver or someone that drives a lorry, you can't go. Well, you've got to be in the office because his workspace, his tool of the trade, is a lorry. You wouldn't you want to make sure that they have the right size for the job that they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's it it. There is too much emphasis on the office as a. A thing that needs to be protected. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this in one of the blogs that um, uh, just before Christmas, actually, about the, the whole paradigm. It's a five hundred year old paradigm, the office, mm. and, and it's gone through various different iterations of how it's used. You know, from the Victorian kind of workhouses, and you have five hundred people in the space, and they're just banging stuff out, and you have people kind of making sure that they're there. And you know, the, I think I was reading something even this morning talking about how it was. Um, I think it was Spain that introduced a much shorter day for for um, machine workers and factory workers and stuff like that, and it's sort of gradually mm. changed. But ultimately, it stayed the same thing. It's tried yeah. to be molded in slightly different ways. When um, I think in the sixties, they you know this imagine the sixties, you know, would be the right time to start when people are just exploring mm -hmm. all those recreational drugs and things. But changing the style of an office to make it much more kind of feel like you know, get it's got fancy furniture and plants and colours and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it was still yeah. the same thing. You come in and you've made the space more attractive because, oh, that's the issue, rather yeah. than addressing the true issue of um, uh, productivity, uh, efficiency, effectiveness, and kind of purposefulness of what we're here to do. So it's not, you don't employ somebody to be a bum on a seat, you employ them for their mind and what they can mm. bring. And that's, um, true actually probably of office workers as well of factory workers as well i think but yeah well and don't forget with all of that you know thinking about in the last 50 years or so and how technologies evolved you know the office was then a very it was essential because it was a place where you know if you're a law firm in the 50s you have all of your files in a central location yeah. you know that that protects your clients um data it, it makes sure that you you have that sort of um silo around your work yeah. and then as technologies change you know then you get these enormous um printers and photocopiers and you know you might if you're very lucky have a, a computer on your desk but then you're doing faxes and things like that um and the technology has actually 
changed quite a lot and very very rapidly you know we're yeah. so lucky that the pandemic actually hit at a time where you know there were things like zoom and teams that were available so that we weren't just all you know the world didn't completely shut down and all productivity end yeah so it's trying to embrace that that it's we don't necessarily need a single office location for security or for technology yeah. but there is on the flip side you know one of the things about a productivity tool is you don't you can't necessarily but not all companies can necessarily afford the best tool for the job yeah you know so if you think about a, a technology company where they're they're hiring lots of people not everyone gets a top of the range um amazing laptop to use you know if you're someone in sales maybe you can actually make do with just an ipad or something like that yeah, yeah. so it's it's making sure that it does work for the people but also the company you know you can't as a very small company, like we wouldn't be able to afford the Apple headquarters because <laughs> you know, we wouldn't need them either. No, I'd be very lonely um, and echoey. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 trying to just make sure that you're getting the best tool that you can afford. And there will be some companies where actually they can't necessarily afford to roll out laptops and secure internet and individual desk setups and chairs mm -hmm. and everything like that for all of their employees. Because obviously, if you are working remotely, the company still does have a, an obligation to make sure that you're working in a, um, you know, health and safety efficient way. Yeah. So, in that instance, it might actually be better for the company to say, "Look, we just need everyone in the office because it's an environment we can control, yeah. and we can't afford for you know 30 people for everyone to have their own laptop, their own desk, and their own chair." Now, and just thinking back to the statement you make about you know going back to, pro to productivity in, in a bit more detail um the whole point of this agile methodology and productivity and in dev and things like that is that you make small iterations see if that works you're not dumping a whole load of code or making massive changes but it yeah the agile thinking around an office is that something that because there's a lot of physicality to an office isn't it and it, it's it's not it doesn't have that that flexibility physically to write this move desk here every single time so what's your mm. thinking about how people could approach this in terms of splitting up spaces you know we, a lot of places that the company I, I came from previously we had four or five small little meeting rooms we had a big boardroom and then we had a, a podcasting room that i built and then our own individual desks i had my own kind of little like one of my colleagues called it the glass box of emotion my office um <laughs> marketeers for you um yeah it, it kind of implies that the, the office needs to maintain that level of flexibility and agility going forward what would be yeah. that you know you mentioned small big large businesses probably easier for them to do because they've got more money to do it but it's a bigger job for them to do so what's your thoughts on on keeping the office agile well i think the the main thing about the agile process, as you said, is making small changes, um, small iterations, yeah. seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and reiterating over it. And just so it, the whole idea is that you're, you've got an idea of what you think you want. You try and solve that, yeah. and you very quickly move to see has that worked. If yes, brilliant. Keep going. If not, okay, we need to adjust. And I think that's the, the, the thing at the moment that companies tend to not necessarily be doing that well is it's a they're trying to solve it all in one thing 
mm. and they are just trying to they're looking at the data that's out there from other companies relying on that and saying right that's what we're going to do and that's going to solve it so you know we're, we're a hundred person company we want to we've got another we can see there's another hundred person company that have reduced their desk space to 50 percent so great savings yeah let's we'll do that you're like well actually that's that's not necessarily right for you you might get lucky brilliant if you if you can but um try to make small adjustments and move from that and then the flexibility will start to sort of bake into that as you as you're going you know it's if you can start from if you're already in this situation where you can be flexible in your decisions you're ahead of the game yeah, yeah. if you're not if you've actually got fixed layouts and fixed desks and stuff are there some small changes that you can make to like a team just start with one team see what changes you can do there and if that works then start to roll it out to other teams yeah. um you know you'll even find with that that what works for one team probably won't for another yeah um you know depends on departments as well you know a technology department and a finance department are very very different beasts so micro cultures within a business exactly exactly so it's just try to start small and yeah. don't bite off more than you can chew and track data like come up with what you think what data will when you're before you start the experiment before you actually say yes let's move these desks try to get a baseline of mm. what's currently happening yeah. and then work out what data you need to either prove or disprove what you're trying to prove try to prove or disprove and um, what you're trying to find out yeah. um but then also when you've got that data try to think of ways that someone who was against what you're trying to do would use that data to say actually you're wrong because it's in that it's trying to flip your mindset of well actually what you've said there is that this is the best setup but i know from whatever that that's not true and i can see here that this data shows that it's really trying to be like a data scientist about it and mm. interrogate the data properly that will then lead to you moving forwards in a successful way rather than in you know taking account to your your biases because ultimately this is to achieve one end really isn't it it's about being more effective and productive and um yeah. in in the role that you're doing regardless of what that role is it's in service of that which all the 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 kind of the broad thinking right now is that it's about mindset it's about productivity yeah. isn't how many things you can put through but how consistent you can be and and being able to roll with the ups and downs that people naturally have in their lives because you know one day you come in and you know this where you come in you're super effective you do 10 things tick them all off your list and feel like you've had an amazing day and the next day nothing yeah. seems to have changed you had the same coffee did the same walk went to the gym but you walk in and you at the end of the day you think what the hell have i done so it's trying yeah. to create a space that somebody can go, well, actually, do you know what? This isn't working. Sitting at my yeah. desk doing what I did yesterday isn't working. I'm going to go and sit in that space over there. I'm going to go and I want to be super quiet. Or do you yeah. know what? I'm going to go to the coffee shop or oh, I'm just going to go home. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. What, what do you think then? I mean, I, I've been a senior manager in large companies and small companies. For me, I always wanted to make sure that people brought their best version of themselves on that day and it was different every mm -hmm. single day because people are uh, um are unique for the first level leader for somebody who's just starting out they've perhaps got a couple of people from this mindset of using the office as a productivity tool what advice would you give to somebody who's at that level and going not really had any leadership training because not many mm. companies really do that properly anymore or it's very yeah. self-directed so 
what, what what advice would you give them to say how can i approach this to give that flexibility but to still you know to use this office as a productivity tool but still achieve my ends what advice would you give somebody in that situation um so i mean that's that's an enormous question that we could be here for days talking about <laughs> um and you're right as well about you know the majority of um, managers, I've read something recently, which I think it was something like 80% or 82% of managers haven't had any formal training. And that's quite astounding when you think that it's the main role of a manager is it's a, it's a people role. It's yeah. about getting the best out of your team. And actually the soft skills around management are, are so vital. You know, it's, you need to know what works for your people. So, you know, the best football managers out there, you know, the, you know um, Alex Ferguson, um, they're saying that he would treat one player in one way and treat another player a completely different way. You know, yeah, yeah. he knew that if one of them needed, you know, an arm around the shoulder and it's okay, don't worry, he'd know that. Similarly, he'd know that he needed to shout at someone else to get them to actually get up and, and get some momentum in what they were doing. Sorry, the door's going to go in a second because Gabby's just come back and the dogs are going to bark and all this kind of stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. You're on a really good flow there as well, but it will just be spoiled. So I guess that comes back to the point, John, that you made a little bit earlier then about is rather than trying to do lots of big things is perhaps try as a first level leader, then small things, work it out with your team and go, well, let's try this if they're yeah. able to have that flexibility and um, and and do little projects or try little things, extend little bits of trust and go kind of, well, you try that, you try that or yeah yeah i think involving them in the process involve your team in the process and let them know what you're thinking yeah um because the the best way to create friction in a team is for there to be secrets and for one person to sort of go this is the way we're going to do things yeah. obviously you need to be careful because designed by committees also are not necessarily a good thing um but if you if you know your people if you've done simple things like you know i was I was chatting to someone uh, a couple of years ago where they said that they just didn't know how to get to know their team. Yeah. I was like, well, the, the simplest thing you can possibly do is if you see them on a Friday, ask them what they're doing for the weekend. And then on Monday, remember what they've done and ask them how it went. Yeah. And instantly you get more of a relationship. It's, you know, it's it has to be that sort of give and take to understand what people are like. And some people will shy away from that. Um, some people yeah. won't want to tell you. But you can pretty much find a common something in common with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And once you've got that, you can create a relationship, and then you know what's what's going on. Yeah. And it, it's the you know the company I came from. One of their phrases was leadership is a choice, mm. uh, not a position. So you know, and it's about um, actually enabling others. You you turn into a like a teacher and you try and elevate yeah. people above you. So it's putting them at the middle of that. Of course, you're there to be productive and to be to deliver on the company based on the role that you've got um, yeah. and the job that you're trying to do and, and how that fits within you know the organization, the structure, the productivity, the, yeah. the factory, if you like. Um, so Actually, yeah. just um, just to pick up on that, one of the one of the other things that I think is going to happen a lot more in the very near future, especially with the you know generative AI being so popular, yeah. is um, quite often managers don't necessarily understand what the people, what the role is of the people they manage. Yeah. 
and you know it's it's okay if you're if you're say a senior developer looking after a junior developer there's at least that sort of you up there's that understanding but quite often if it's you know you're just a, a you know someone's dotted lines into you rather than your direct report or something like that there can be a misunderstanding about the actual role mm. and if you then don't understand what roles people are doing then you don't necessarily understand the tools that they need to do the job yeah um so I, i've gone into um companies before where uh the tools that they were giving me i was like this won't actually allow me to do what you need me to do it's you know you've given me you know a really slow bad laptop and i'm doing design work so yeah. i won't be able to actually achieve that and it was because they didn't understand the role that i was doing so there's you if you know the people and you understand the roles they're doing and you know what their personal circumstances are like then it makes it much easier to pick the right tools and to understand that you know jeff down the road is jeff, sorry jeff the the intern doesn't have a good setup at home doesn't have fast internet because he can't afford it yeah. so saying well we're not going to come into the office and not allowing Jeff to have a desk in the office is actually really going to affect his productivity yeah. and you'd only know that through that um, down talking with them and asking questions yeah. you know yeah exactly. you want to work at home are you set up do you think you're set up to actually do that and if not how can we help yeah and don't forget that in a lot of times a lot of times people do hide their personal circumstances away you know you have yeah. your work self and your home self yeah. and actually you can't you know if you can, if you ask the question, that might not necessarily um, lead to getting the the answer you want. You need to be a proper problem solver. You can't just accept the first answer. You need to keep delving in until you understand the the root of what's going on. Yeah. So we've interesting that you you've spoken about the office and gone into some detail and some thoughts around it as a as a productivity tool. So have you got any thoughts then about maybe what the office of the future let's fast forward you know i'm asking you basically to get your your crystal ball out um mm. what is your what are your thoughts or maybe even hopes of what the office is going to be in the future for people you know is it going to follow more of the we work model where you know you you don't have a dedicated space for every team but spaces to do productivity work probably in the bigger companies or is it very much more it'll probably stay the same and actually just your use of it will change rather than having to change the office around itself what do you think will be the the norm um it's really difficult to to guess in my for me personally what i would like is um almost like touchdown points for when i want to work in different areas so if i want to work from home that's fine i've got you know certain things that i want to do so that's that's where i want to be but if I want to get out of the house, I want to work with colleagues, I want to see other people, I want to see clients, I want to have a variety of areas where I can go and work, which you've kind of got with the co-working space. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all of the WeWorks and Regis's and, and places like that. But they're also not... The problem that I find with those places is they're not necessarily set up so that you can walk along and just dump your laptop and then you've got a good setup. It's, yeah. you know, we're, I think we're going to end up, if we don't start to change this soon, we're going to end up with loads of people with back problems because everyone's working off a laptop. Yeah. And, you know, you see that when you walk around WeWork, you see everyone you know, hunched over and it's, it's not good. Um, what I think is actually going to happen is that we're going to have quite a few years where we're just trying to work this out. Yeah. You know, the, 
the people that uh, I know some people who at the beginning of you know us being released from lockdown were going I never want to work in the office again um two years on when we're having conversations they're they're lonely you know if you're living out in the sticks and you don't see anyone um that he had a, a young family to begin with um so at the time he was seeing them a lot so his decision was i don't want to work again forever uh, i don't want to work again forever. i don't want to work um in an office again i'm very happy he had a great setup at home now his kids are grown up and they walk themselves to school his wife's gone out for a job so he's at home alone and he's now yearning for more interaction with people um so i think the main thing with all of this is to not get bogged down on this is the way it's going to be mm. you know uh, i think there's a great quote um i know it wasn't ted lasso that came up with it but ted lasso on apple tv um had a whole thing where he embarrasses uh, his boss's ex-husband um where he said you know try and be curious not judgmental and i think that's that's really where we need to be. We need yeah. to be going, how do we just make life a bit better and go from there and don't say things that you can't take back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it hasn't got to be all bells and whistles, has it? It can be, no. as we're as we're trying to create within the offices, it can just be simple. Yeah. It, you know, yeah, it's... it's fine as it is. You just need to, it's the way that you approach it. It's allowing yeah. people to go, you choose. Yeah. Could be, enough. be be transparent about it then everyone knows what to expect and then everything else sort of flows from that you don't have them the mistrust um because people are just disappearing and you can't see where they are or if they're working um you know if you're communicating and everyone knows what's expected from them so you know what job roles you're meant to be doing um your manager knows what's going what's meant to be happening and you have a good relationship with them then everything should become easier and then you can focus on your actual work and the problems you're solving there yeah. rather than well we've got to get people back in the office as yeah. the number one core mandates that we're doing because that's what we know and that's what we think works because that's what yeah. we based all of our prop productivity analysis on is everyone in the office we don't yeah. know how to work out the rest yeah john thank you very much again i know you're busy chat coding all of our software in the background while I twiddle around and do colouring in going over the lines every now and then as the marketing <laughs> guy so um, I appreciate you um, uh, allowing me to uh, uh, share some of your time and give insight into that wonderful brain of yours and, and obviously more widely what we're doing with in the office and um, why yeah. we're doing what we're doing with the yeah, office. It's been, so, it's been great Adam, thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Cheers. Thanks. John and I really hope that you enjoyed and really got something meaningful from our latest episode of the podcast. If you'd like to comment, reach out to us um, and share your thoughts and ideas, we'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you would like to be a guest and we'd interview on our podcast, we'd love to have you on to talk about all the challenges that coming back into the office, the cultural elements um, as IT, HR professionals, office managers, and of course, leaders as well. Please also do like and subscribe and then it guarantees you get our latest podcast in your inbox. Thanks again for listening.